Raising Tech is your guide to understanding the role technology plays in your senior living business strategy and day-to-day operations. Tune in for tech trends, hot topics, and meet the people behind the tech landscape in senior living to gain practical technology knowledge that you can apply in your community today. Welcome to Raising Tech, a podcast about all things technology and senior living. I'm your host, Amber Barden. 2021 brought a fresh set of challenges stemming from COVID, the great resignation, as it's often called, almost no company or industry has not been affected. Today, this is our topic. We're going to be talking about staffing and solutions around staffing as well as challenges. Joining me, we have a guest, Charles Turner, founder of CARE. Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to talk about a couple of numbers to start off with. Before COVID, there were 2.9 million frontline caregivers in the post-acute industry, and about 50% of that workforce has, has left the industry in the early part of COVID. And it's also predicted that there'll be a shortage of 1.8 million caregivers by the year 2023. Charles, you've come up with a really innovative solution to address this challenge in the industry. Would you start off by telling us about your founding story? Yeah, sure. Uh, So my background for, gosh, 15 years or so, I was a developer, owner and operator of senior care facilities all over over the Sun Belt. So all over Texas, Florida, Georgia, New Mexico, and we were blown and going very um, sort of tech forward, but not really technology for technology's sake, um, really trying to figure out how we, how you know, we always said, how do we do care better? How do we measure the, the, the quantity and the quality of care that we provide to somebody? Um, and, and a lot of that stemmed from my background prior to before I ever got into that industry. I used to be in the enterprise software space having nothing to do whatsoever with senior care, stumbled into senior care after doing uh, a lot of hospital um, and medical developments. Uh, Fell in love with the industry, realized there was a a lot of room to improve an industry that had a really high um, EQ, but it needed a lot more input on how how we could do care better. And so we developed own an operator and then that put me in front of a lot of executives uh, doing a lot of talks in the industry. And so around 2017 or so, um, I was actually in the process of looking to put together kind of an age tech fund. So uh, the idea was we would put a fund together led by you know uh, industry leaders and then backed by private equity. And in the process of doing that, we were really looking at the the, the staffing crisis. Now, this is obviously pre-COVID, um, but we knew even then, I mean, there's going to be a workforce shortage looming on the horizon, and we knew uh, we needed to figure out a way to solve that. So, uh, in that during that process, I was actually uh, advising another company, kind of similar to what Care is, but it was in the acute care and the hospital space. Kind of underfunded, under scope, but we worked on it on an advisory basis, knowing it had, you know, the concept was rudimentary, but it was interesting. Um, we proved the concept out, even though these guys had been at it for a couple of years in the hospital space. Um, we tried to either license it or buy in or everything like that. Um, ended up, didn't work out. And then we decided as, as an industry, a kind of industry leaders to let's create a platform, which is now called CARE, that's focused specifically on the senior care and the post-acute care industry. So founded the company in April of 19, built the platform, the, or the first version of the platform. It was supposed to be just uh, launching two buildings in Houston and Austin. The last week of October of 19 it ended up being about I don't know, 17 buildings or so. Um, and then it just took off from there. And then COVID hit. And then uh, it's been a crazy ride ever since, but we were blowing and going pre-COVID 
And then, of course, during COVID, we've been riding the ups and downs of that. But it's helped put the notion out there that we have to figure out alternative ways of staffing. We can't just be paying overtime and it can't just be hiring a staffing agency. How did you come up with the concept for care? And can you talk a little bit more about what the platform actually does? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, again, I put my operator hat on the three things that that we hate. Right. I mean, well, the things that we hate. You know, we hate staffing agencies because we can't really control the costs. We also hate paying overtime. I mean, as an operator, I'm still an owner in these buildings now. The first thing I do when I get them, I look at my overtime line, and that kind of tells me a lot about how that building is running. The idea was that, you know, we, we can't just continue to pay overtime. We can't continue hiring staffing agencies. And of course, then during, obviously during COVID, like the number of staffing agencies that have come out of the woodwork and just price gouging and um, sort of cornering the market have been pretty severe. So, you know, we looked at other industries and we're like, why can't, you know, the transportation market has Uber and other other industries have, you know, oil and gas as we're going to rig up, these things like that. Well, there's no reason we shouldn't do the same thing for us. And so the concept is very simple. You know, the, the, the three things we all hate about staffing agencies are, one, they're far too expensive. We can't control the pricing. Two, you have no control over who comes through your front door. If a staffing agency will sit whomever they have, uh, whether they're good or not. Um, and last, if you like that worker, you actually can't hire them. The staffing agency, you're contractually prevented from doing so. Um, we've solved those three problems. So, you know, so we're not a staffing agency. We're, we're a labor marketplace, meaning we pre-qualify tens of thousands of frontline healthcare workers, nurses, CNAs, med techs, LPN, LDNs, RNs, things like that, to make sure they're qualified to work uh, on the platform. We actually qualify facilities as well, that they're kind of, they have a license and good standing as well. Then they're qualified to work on the platform. So the, 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 the communities themselves set the pay rates. We don't set the pay rates. Our rates, you know, we, we put a small per hour fee with, um, and our rate is the same, whether you want to offer a dollar an hour or a thousand dollars an hour. We, you know, we don't care. Well, you're not going to get a shift filled for a dollar an hour, but you can offer it. So the community set the pay rates and then one to many, we call them heroes, can apply to work that shift. And, and then which leads to the second piece where why we're so successful is if I'm a community and let's say two people apply, you know, one's a 4.9 star, one's a 4.2 star. I get to see this reliability score, which is an algorithm that predicts how reliable they're going to be. You get to see all the information. You get to see every review they've ever had on every shift. So I get to decide who who comes in my my community. And the good news is, you know, if I give that person a four or five star rating, they're going to get paid the next business day. If not, they've got to wait a week. So they're highly incentivized to do a good job. If I work for a staffing agency, I just have to do just enough not to get fired because I'm going to get paid regardless. Uh, with us, it's it's different. If you want, if there's a bonus you want to put in the shift, that person doesn't get. A bonus unless they get a four or five star rating. And the last, if you if you like our heroes, you can hire them. Uh, we actually want you to hire them. We use companies all the time, use us as a platform to, to you know, kind of a try before you buy. Instead of you know hoping people show up for an interview and people come work your community, if they're looking for a full-time position, you can hire them. We encourage you to do that. Since you started Care, I've heard of other platforms that are similar out there in the marketplace. Was CARE the first one? And can you talk a little bit about how CARE is different than other options out there? Yeah, that's a good question. So to say we're the first one is yes and no. So we always tell people, you know, a, a staffing agency with an app is still a staffing agency. So there are a lot of what we call digital staffing agencies out there, meaning that they, if you look at their contract, they tell you how much they're going to charge you. They send, you know, they're ones where they, either they send or 
one of their workers can basically kind of name it and claim it, whether that community wants them or not. And then you still can't hire them. So they don't have the benefits that we do. Uh, a lot, some of them still are also based on a subscription model, which never really works in senior care. Um, generally speaking, unless you're an EHR platform, your CRM or your financial system, maybe your nurse call system, nobody wants to sign up for a recurring expense they, are, they may or may not use. So you know, we're kind of a pay-as-you-go model. But so there's no one really has a model quite like ours. Most of them, we, you know, I'd call them digital staffing agencies. We've gotten to the point now where we know our customers really do love working at our platform because of the transparency that a, that a marketplace adds where all the information is in the marketplace. And they really don't like a lot of other folks that they're basically a digital staffing agency just with a technology wrapper. When you mentioned the same day pay rate, I imagine that must be a little bit of a disruptor to the space. How do you address that? And is there other pushback that you get from the providers on using your app? We're seeing there's uh, how has next day pay our next day pay benefited. So, you know, it's it, it is our primary person who works in our platform is someone who has a full time job and they need they use the care app to make extra income. That's really what it was designed to do. We're not looking for people that they want to work on our, our app full time. We know that around 50 percent because we, we actually survey this. Uh, about 50% of the people who work on the care platform work less than uh, 40 hours a week. Not, I'm not talking just with care. I'm just talking in general. Like their work lifestyles, like they work less than 40 hours a week. So one of the things that we know that's been extremely disruptive is that you know where states right now are clamoring uh, because they can't have workers because, well, you've got to be a W-2 employee and work at a, a facility or you got to work for a staffing agency. Uh, well, it, a lot of workers can't, right? So because they can't commit to that level of fixed schedule, they need flexibility. So one of the things we know to be true, we're bringing people off the sidelines and on the margins who normally can't have not been able to work because they can't commit to one of those things, and we're adding that labor capacity to to the the labor uh, workforce. And we've seen that, especially in certain states where you get. You know, everybody's bad, but some are worse. Like Denver, Colorado is a really, really tough market. We've seen it where we've taken people that are kind of on the margins who couldn't work and bring them in. So people who like maybe they were school nurses and they couldn't work in the school. So that LPN came in and that would work um, or other caregivers who worked in other settings or they had family issues or they had kids at home because they couldn't go to school. Well, they now have a way to work and add that labor capacity back into the marketplace. We have a lot of folks have, you know, they, they do love the next day pay aspect of it of it it's one of those things where you know i encourage uh i encourage operators we do work with we 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 do a ton of research on our on the folks who work on our platform so we're we're the only few places where you actually have that amount of just you know a a rich research base where you can actually ask frontline workers a bunch of questions and we do know one of the things they really love is our next day pay and then the flexibility we know that you know i i coach a lot of operators a lot of times like look at your schedule like look at your pay look at your schedule there's no reason you could not you couldn't do the same thing don't be beholden to an adp just because that's how they do it make money off of floating your payroll look look at your staff scheduling like do I need to do the six to two, two to ten, ten to ten to two routine like everybody else does? Or are there other creative ways of staffing um, that may actually be more productive and that would add more labor hours or peak times and fewer labor hours at lesser times? You know, our app gives this flexibility to do that. 
we're all competing for talent right now. And that was the reason CARE was founded was to be able to provide that solution to senior living. But I'm curious, how are you recruiting staff? What does your recruitment process look like? And how are you able to find workers that's different than providers? Well, it goes back to what I I said before. It's just kind of two things, the next day pay and ultimate flexibility. You know, when we go into a market, we we spend a ton of money on advertising on job boards and a lot of digital marketing and things like that. And then over time, it just starts to go viral. Like in the state of Texas, we don't spend any money on recruiting uh, at all. And and we're in all the major markets, uh, secondary markets and most tertiary markets. And we don't spend any money because uh, we don't we don't need to because the app starts to go go viral. But ultimately, that's what folks you know, the vast majority of folks who work on our platform, they probably have a full time job. And, and they just use this as extra income. Like I think our average hero works uh, a shift and a half a week on, on the care platform. So it's not like they're doing, you know, full 40 hours or so. Um, they're just doing it to make extra income. So that's the big selling benefit of it. And again, by doing that, it adds extra, extra labor capacity to the, the labor workforce. Can you talk a little bit more about the benefits to the providers I know that you do the direct hire, but if if the majority of the workers are doing this as a side job, how does that process work for them to transition from a gig worker to direct hire? Or how frequently does that happen? And what are the what are the benefits you see on the provider side? Yeah, I, we I mean it happens all the time. It's funny, like well, we can't track it because it doesn't. There's nothing to track, right? Like someone comes to the building, you hire them, hire them. We we see it all the time where where someone, you know, gets hired full time uh, at a community and then, you know, a week later on their weekends or days off, they're picking up extra shifts some other place uh, back on the app. You know, that's where, you know, one of the things I know if I put my operator hat on, I think we had about 700 some odd frontline employees. Uh, and we knew about two thirds of three fourths of them had some form of second job as, a, as an operator. I would rather my my workforce have an app like Care. So, like you know, if, whether they work in another another community or they work at you know Amazon or Walmart or, or something like that, it, it would conflict. So my PRN pool would have to would have to balloon because my shifts would con- conflict with their their shifts. Well, if they didn't have those other shifts, they could pick up, up extra shifts whenever they want to. Well, then I don't need my big PRN pool as much anymore. The the folks that work for me can pick up shifts where they want. The other thing that we've seen was an interesting, you know, especially early COVID when, uh, and the skilled, the skilled side and the rehab side, when these you know, elective surgeries or quasi-elective surgeries sort of non-existent, you know, this, the census of a lot of these, these communities would decline and employers were having to shed workers. Um, you know, everyone's trying to get them back now, but, you know, if you remember, people are trying to shed like the first six months of COVID. And what a lot of communities were, were, were doing, they were smart. They said, hey, please don't let us leave us. I can't give you 40 hours. Just stay with us, work, go to over 28, but work in the care app and work someplace else. And then until I can bring you back on. So we actually had uh, a lot of communities that would recommend that their employees download the care app to, to do that. And actually, we actually have a lot, we have several companies, not just communities, companies that are actively um, giving our stuff to their their own workforce um, to make sure they get extra income so they don't leave. Like they like their the, the workers like uh, the communities, but you know it's always like oh that extra dollar down the street or whatever. And so they're actually encouraging them to to work on the care app to work some other place to make extra income and not leave the place that, where they're familiar. 
Do you have any information you can share on the cost model from a provider perspective of using care versus traditional staffing and recruiting? Yeah. So a typical staffing agency, um, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, it, it's it's kind of like a hundred percent market typically, right? So that's their model. Hire they hire a handful of workers, and let's say if I'm paying a worker, say an index of a hundred, I'm charging the 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 facility two hundred. What a typical staffing agency does is they'll they'll mark up a worker about 100%. So if they're paying them 100, they're going to charge the facility 200. For us, we're much more simple. So we 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 encourage our customers to pay our heroes about the same they pay their own employees. So let's say it's a $15 hour employee, put $15 on our app. Our fee is going to be uh, you know $5 for in most cases $5 an hour. $7 for certain nurses. But that's it. So it's $15 plus a five bucks. So you're, you're in it for $20. You're far less than a staffing agency. Uh, you can add a bonus to the app. And if someone really needs, because uh, you need someone in a hurry, you can, you can offer to pay a bonus. You know, it's at your discretion. And that helps people, especially last minute when you need people. Um, and you can also, for a $5 fee, promote it to anybody in the marketplace who is uh, qualified to work that shift that message will go out to everybody in, in that marketplace who really needs somebody. That's it. It's pretty simple. There's no subscriptions, no long-term contracts, it's simple terms of service that everybody uh, has signed. Um, and usually it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get a community up and running. And we're working with, you know, multiple hundreds of companies right now and, and all of the, the facilities that those companies represent because the, the model is basically, it's very simple. It's very clean. It's very transparent. Can you walk me through what a provider would do to get started using care and what happens if they're in a state where you're not yet having services? Yeah. So the easiest way to get started, it's pretty simple. So um, we we have actually two apps, right? We have the Care's Hero app when they get the Care Community app. Um, they can either download the Care Community app and hit the sign up button uh, or you just basically go to our website or call us. Um, and then all we do is we send you a simple form. Uh, you enter in all of your you know, your kind of desired pay rates and a little bit about your community, just like a picture of it, your, your logo, a few other things. And then we'll open up an account for you, send you a sign up link and, and um, you need to upload your state mandated documents, uh, kind of orientation documents like resident bill of rights, infection control policies, things like that you have to have. And then, um, and then boom, you're ready to go. You're posting shifts. Usually we'll sit with people um, when, we, when we meet with them a person and it's 10, 15 minutes and they're having shifts filled within 15 minutes. So it's really exciting. Um, if they're not, if they're, if, if they're in a market where we're not yet, we are getting there, that we will be nationwide, maybe with the exception of a couple of states, but we should be nationwide, at least in the major markets in every state by the middle of this year. <clears throat> we're um, greatly acceler accelerating our, our our growth into those markets, which is exciting. And then, uh, you know, we'll be we'll fanning out from there. So um, we're in most uh, most kind of NBA cities, in NBA NFL cities now, with the exception of California. But then we'll be, you know, all 50 states and most secondary cities by the end of the year. That's, that's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. What do you see is the future of this type of technology? Where do you think it can go? What's the next level? I mean, for us, it's going to be, it'll, we'll expand out into other food groups, you know, meaning, you know, the therapy side of the business, 
we're already in the hospitality side of the business in, in Texas and Georgia. When COVID hit, we actually had a partnership with Hyatt Hotels when they were furloughing so many employees that they encouraged them to download our app and sign up. So we actually got a lot of like cooks and maintenance and housekeeping and things like that. The certain markets will expand more in, more into that. Um, it's easier said than done, but you know we we still are only kind of the tip of the iceberg. Uh, where we go, but we've got a good runway ahead of us just to keep going and doing what we're doing. And then probably at some point, we'll, uh, we'll pick our head up and figure out what we want to do next. But uh, we'll, we'll most likely be in Canada and Western Europe within 12 months, if not sooner. What are your predictions on the staffing market shifting? What, like what percentages do you see from traditional hires versus something like care in the future? Um, I, I think I think the traditional hire will always be there. I think it, it, a lot of operators will get smart on how they provide the benefits that care does in terms of frequency of pay and flexibility. Um, but I do see over time uh, the the traditional staffing agency model, becoming significantly more minimized and then other kind of labor marketplaces, um, you know, ascending. So there's no reason with technology now, yeah, the, the, the reason a staffing agency has existed is because, you know, if you're a, if you're a community, you don't have the time to recruit people at, for swing labor and you don't know who these people are and that takes time, takes resources. Well, now we have technology that does it for you. So why do you need that person who sits in a cubicle and just goes down a spreadsheet and figures out who can come in? The technology does that for you. And it directly introduces you to people you would not have otherwise met. I mean, it just only makes sense that, that this happens and it's already happened in other industries. So why not in, in our, ours as well? So I think that's where you're going to see it going as, as you're going to see people. There, there's a tendency to want to call it a gig worker. And, and there, you know, there are a lot of obviously gig aspects to this. But at the same point in time, I think, this will just become the nature of supplemental labor, right? It's it's not, we will think of it less as a gig worker and more of a, it's, it is, it is a, it's a platform where we find people and, and we don't need a staffing agency anymore. For providers that have a really strong internal company culture, how does the addition of gig workers or part-time workers impact their culture? Have you had any feedback about that side of it? Yeah, that's actually a really good question um, because there's, you know, one of the first questions we got, especially pre-COVID, I think with COVID, that concern has become less and less as the acute need for staff has, has, has risen, but we still get it, is how do I, I, you know, if I do this, bring people in, will it affect my culture? The beautiful thing about what we do, again, if you go back to, so, you know, we're not a digital staffing agency. We don't send anybody. You choose who comes in. So the first line is like, okay, if I'm a community, I'm posting shifts and like, you know, three or four people apply. Well, I'm going to pick the one at least based on ratings and not only just ratings, but they're actually different aspects of their work. Like, you know, are they personality driven or are they punctuality driven and things like that, right? First and foremost, the community decides who comes in their building. If they don't know that, what eventually happens is that they find the people that have worked in their community that work well and fit their culture and they feel that are part of their team. And they essentially become like a digital PRN pool, right? That a PRN pool goes from being sort of fixed to being virtual. But but they find those people that actually fit their culture. So one of the things that uh, kind of a happy surprise for us, but 
as well as our customers is they like it because of that concern, right? Is that unlike any other staffing agency, they're picking and they're managing who comes in that door to, to fit their culture. Do you have any success stories that come to mind where care has really been able to transform a community that was hurting from a staffing perspective? Yeah, I mean, actually, every day uh, we get we get people who, who thank us. And that's one of the things like you're like, I'm proud of our growth and I'm proud of our technology. Um, most but mostly I'm I mean, again, we're, I'm our, our partners come from the industry. <clears throat> I'm proud of what we've been able to do during COVID because we've been able to to, you know, administrators and management are burned out. I mean, they're just. With all things COVID, all things staffing are burned out. It's, we get calls and emails every day from people that are just thanking us for like, oh my God, you saved us so much. One of the ones that comes to mind is a, a community actually here in Houston, early COVID, where they had very strict pro- protocols. A, a visiting outside nurse came in the building, visited a bunch of residents, did not follow their protocols, and then called in the next day and said, hey, guess what? I'm COVID positive. And they, so that community had to send every one of their workers home. And they had to quarantine all of their their residents, and and their regional called us and said, "We'll take whatever you can give us." Got them quick, very very quickly loaded up in the app, and they were posting. They we ended up filling multiple multiple hundreds of shifts uh, for them, and and the, the, uh, they had no relation with staffing agency. They're assisted an assisted living community that had no need for staffing agency up to this point, so. Uh, they were eternally grateful uh, for the fact that they could, you know, there's all the tools that we put into the app itself that can help drive more people to work, um, which they're eternally grateful for. And so, you know, their CEO is now one of our biggest proponents and kind of tells everybody about us because of what we're able to do. And then, you know, we get a lot of stories about how much they we've helped hiring. Because you hear all these stories all the time. Like, gosh, I put a job on Indeed. I had 93 three people that applied for it and 80 were you know, 80 were qualified. We called all 80 of them and then only 19 picked up the phone and all 19 said they'd be in the interview and only one person showed up for the interview. You hear that story all the time. And then for us, it's like, we love it. People come in, they work, and then we hire them. Perfect. That's exactly what we want to do. So those are the kind of things that really make us happy uh, when we can at least partially alleviate some level of stress that goes on in the community, uh, especially with staffing around COVID. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about technology and in the industry in general. So beyond care, what are you most excited about in terms of technology in the industry in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the great things about COVID, if you can say that, uh, it is, it's greatly accelerated a lot of things that were really slow to adopt. You know, I've done a lot of talks on kind of the, you know, age, the intersection of aging and technology over the years. I was always a huge proponent of, of telemedicine and telemedicine, telehealth, um, and it was just very, very slow to adopt. Now we're seeing a huge adoption of that. And I think that's going to change the dynamic of how we do care. I mean, I, I'm hoping that it'll start to reduce the, oh, well, Mrs. Jones has a mild rash. Let's send her to the ER and go through that trauma. Um, so I, that's one of the things that I, I'm really pumped about. You know, the other thing is I was very much, I'd say, cynical about, you know, uh, let's call resident engagement technologies pre-COVID. And the reason is, you know, that typically would fall into the activities bucket on someone's budget. And I think that that budget's usually four to 6% of the entire 
uh, community's budget. And everyone was trying to chase that dollar. Like, like, there's only so many of those dollars to go around. At, plus, at the time, you know, I have a, I have an adage uh, when it comes to care with technology and senior care, never ask a resident to do something they're not already doing. So, um, you know, having them like, oh, I, you know, I've never been a big fan of like you know, iPads for residents or anything like that that they're not already using. Um, I, and I think resident engagement platforms have definitely, the, the adoption was forced, but it probably, and, and it's going to have a lot of um, positive repercussions going forward. You know, I think where we're starting to see things, we're starting to see things get integrated, people asking questions around integrated data, data, data systems, normalization of, you know, the resident profile across disparate systems. Like we've never had this notion of middleware. Uh, other industries have had it for 30 years. And, and now we're just having these conversations like, oh, we have a nurse call system and an EHR and I've got a med management system. We got a door lock system. And like, okay, how do, how do I manage that? Like what questions can I ask of data? The other piece I think is really interesting is the note that there's always been a notion in senior care, the legalistic side. So I don't want technology in my building. Um, because if something bad happens uh, and, and I have the technology, I'll be held liable for it. Well, what's interesting is now because the technology has become more prevalent, the case law is now saying that you can't hide behind not having technology in your building. You can't use that argument anymore. It has become predominant now where you should have had, whether it what whatever it is, you know, camera sensors or whatever, um, you have the ability to reasonably implement this in your building, you didn't, and therefore you're actually can't be held liable because you didn't have the technology in building. So that's kind of all happening at the same time. Uh, I think it's going to be really fascinating in the next, you know, I don't know, five years, where um, the stuff that the industry has been fighting for a long time is going to start seeing some adoption in different ways of, of thinking. Going back to your comment about telehealth, I'm curious, have you ever considered having CARE provide those resources for telehealth since you've already got a remote platform built? Provide telehealth resources, like from a, like on the CARE, on the CARE end or from a technology end? Uh, well, using the staff that work for CARE to provide those telehealth services. Um, a little bit, yeah. I mean, we still need the infrastructure to do that. We, 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 we actually have done some stuff with COVID actually staff some COVID uh, um, vaccine kind of stuff. But you know, that's an interesting question. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it, but it, it, it would take a little bit of pivot on our platform, but we could potentially uh, invite uh, workers who want to schedule tele remote telehealth and have a ubiquitous platform to, to be, uh, you know, to kind of be the last mile between the resident and, and, and third-party care. Yeah, you've got the staff, so it would give them an option to provide remote care. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Oh, gosh. Any final thoughts I want to share with your listeners? Um, no. I mean, just you can go to our website. You want to find out more. It's doyoucare.com. Again, that's care with a K. If you're interested, uh, either a caregiver or a community or company, you know, let us know. Um, and show you what we do. Yeah. And we'll list that information in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure. And listeners, tune in next week for more fresh technology topics. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Raising Tech, where we help senior living communities unlock the power of transformational technology. This podcast is powered by Parasol Alliance.